the gladiator. Good evening, good evening, good evening. How you doing out there? This is the gladiator. We are back today with another interesting story. And this is a story involving technology that has a drug nexus that was connected to the drug world. And I will begin this story back in around 19, late 1995, early 1996. Think about it. Think about that time. Back when most of, most of us had beepers. I know you have not forgot about beepers. Not everyone had a cell phone. This was back in the time when you got a call. You either got a call at your home, on your home phone, or you went to a pay phone. But you wouldn't just ride around with cell phones like you ride around today. Today, everybody got a cell phone. Everybody got a smartphone. There's so much you can do. Just think about that technology today. And remember back 25, 30 years ago, at least the late 80s, early 1990s. And I remember my first cell phone was actually when I started with DEA. I couldn't afford a cell phone before then. DEA gave me a cell phone, and I was told I could only use 60 minutes of the cell phone and only make important phone calls and not to talk no longer than one or two minutes. And if I had to talk longer, I need to call somebody back. Otherwise, if I went over my billing, I would have to pay for it out of my own pocket. I remember cell phones. You remember cell phones. But cell phones always had a drug nexus, meaning a connection to the drug world. And that's what this case is about today, cloning phones, or clone phones as we call them back then. Clone phones. So this case is quite different, as I said. And it began like in, back in 1996. I was working with an aggressive uh, boss at the time, Billy Renton, who I happened to have an informant. And informants are so vital to any investigative success. And this informant I had was a real good informant, well-known in the drug world, but we kept his identity secret. So out of all these cases we have talked about in the past, I want you to know that a form and an informant could be anybody, anybody of the general public. It could be a victim of a crime who decide to tell it all. It could be a member of a drug organization or a criminal organization who has gotten caught and in his best interest, 
he decided to cooperate with with law enforcement to uh, get a better sentence, get a better time, uh, just to better himself. It could be anyone. It could be a police officer who knows information and go and see it and can swear to it in the court of in the court of law by by swearing to an affidavit. So, and informants, and some people call them some derogatory names. I won't say that, but informants, DEA know, knows them as cooperating source, cooperating uh, confidential informants, all of that. So, this informant, very good. This same informant was part of the previous uh, episode of the uh, Colombian hitmen squad. He was also involved in that one. So this guy was like an A-plus informant, very knowledgeable, and simply because he was a criminal criminal himself. He had that criminal network. He was deeply involved in that. But also, if you didn't know him, you would thought he was a regular citizen. So... This informant was a guy I was working primarily, along with maybe one or two other guys. I believe Walter Hoback and I worked them together. And we kind of controlled them at the time, but mainly myself. So back those, in those days, you had two cell phone companies there in the city of Memphis. You had the Bell South. Most of the people in that area are familiar with Bell South. And I don't even know if they exist today. But then you had Cellular One. Those were the two big primary cell phone carriers back in that day. And in narcotics work or in investigative work, we knew one as the A side and the B side. But that's a little more technical than we want to talk about today. Because even I had problems with the A side and the B side. But in that time, two cell phone companies, one did the A side and one did the B side. Although the main one in the U.S. is probably AT&T. But I don't remember AT&T phones in that area at that time. I ever, these two cell phone companies, Bell South and Cell One probably was... Um, Probably was had something to do with AT&T. So, informant came to me. He's still working off his time. Involuntary. This ain't something he just volunteered to do. He was doing it for a reason. And this is something you must understand. These guys, as informant, they have a motivation. Generally, their motivation, as I said earlier, is not to go to jail if they got to go to jail, go to jail as least amount of time as possible. Maybe go into jail, stay a couple of months and come out. Maybe go to jail, stay two years and come out. But they're not, they're smarter than the average bear. They're not trying to spend the rest of their life in jail. Because there's too much life that they're going to miss inside of jail. So... He was an involuntary informant working off a case. And he said, during the debriefing of him, that 
there was this guy cloning phones. And we said cloning phones. Well, we kind of knew what that meant. But the way he described it, he said that the guy was cloning phones or, or selling burner phones. Burner phones are what they called them back in that day. They still call them the same thing now, but they have a, a different um, meaning. Today it means use a phone, get a phone, use it, and get rid of it in, in less than 25 to 30 days uh, before law enforcement can track, can track it down. And the only reason you would need these type of phones, clone phones, burner phones, is that you got some illegal activity going on. And this kind of took me into a different area. Um, was glad to do it, but I learned a whole lot about technology involving cell phones during that period of time. So when he told us about the clone phone operation being sold out of some of the local beeper and cell phone shops, mainly these shops that you go get your beeper, go get a cell phone, and all of that, beeper places, mainly, mainly beeper places. And he's kind of identified a person who was doing, selling clone phones, and he said, this guy was selling them to a lot of drug dealers, a lot of the dr local drug dealers who would come around and buy a burner phone from this particular guy. And it was not only happening in his shop, but it was happening at other shops. And what they were doing, these beeper shops, phone shops, was buying stolen cell phone numbers and, and ESN numbers. And that ESN number is a unique number only connected to a certain phone. Also, you have your, your regular number, which is probably a 901 number then, plus the other five digits. But you also have an ESN number. Nowadays, you got other numbers like IMEI number and MEID number. All these numbers mean the same these numbers mean that they're uniquely tied to a certain device, whether it's a cell phone, your computer, or tablet. They all have unique serial numbers, like IP address, all of that on, on the computers. Every electronic device that emanate through the internet and all that today have a unique number, very unique number that you have. But in cell phones, you got the phone number two. So what they was doing was buying stolen phone numbers and selling them to these drug dealers. And how they got them was it was this guy from L.A. who was coming to Memphis with stolen numbers. He was selling these numbers to these beeper shop owners for $50 to $100 a number. And he sold so many numbers once he made a trip to, to Memphis or Chicago or Baltimore or wherever he went because he was kind of traveling around the country selling stolen numbers. And how he would 
how he was stealing numbers, he would use what we call then a trigger fish, and even today we call it a stingray. These are devices that you can carry around like a briefcase and go to a tall building near a a cellular tower and capture the number by is capture the number from the air of the passing vehicles like on 240 in a tall building near 240 where the numbers your cell phone number is being passed to the cell tower where he was intercepting the numbers picking the numbers out of there picking the numbers out of there he did this in in some of those cities that I just mentioned New York Baltimore Chicago California Los Angeles California Dallas Texas all of these places. This is all he did. Travel around the country stealing numbers. And he would sell a Memphis number in New York and a New York number in Memphis and a Seattle number in L.A. and an L.A. number in Dallas. And this is how we kind of knew uh, something was wrong in the cell phone companies. Uh, and Memphis kind of wanted to work with us and identify who these people were. So you had DEA, you had the Secret Service, who really, that is one of their primary responsibilities, is that that phone fraud. Okay, the nexus with DEA, what brought us into the case was the drug dealers, the drug net nexus. And we was happy to do it. Billy Wren kind of pushed the case out there, kind of led us through it uh, to make sure we got it done right. And we used that informant I mentioned. And we went to his bad guy's place of business who was selling these burner phones, clone phones. We was able to get a case on him with the help of our informant. Okay, so now we had this guy in handcuffs and sat him down, talked to him. And this is a guy that was practically a businessman. He grew up wanting to be a business person, but he got caught up in the amount of money he was making and forgot about the consequences of his actions. And so now you got, and now we got the actual guy that's cloning phones. So what are we gonna do with him now? What are we going to do with him? We're going to use him. Because he's trying to work off his time. He's not trying to go to jail. He's not trying to do that. He really not. So he gave us the name of the guy that was selling him these numbers. And the guy was actually, again, from L.A. And he was connected with... Uh, of local street gangs there in California, like the, um, can't remember if it, it was the Bloods or the Crips, but he definitely was selling illegal clone phones to some of those uh, gang members also. And what was interesting, once we got willing, well into a case like this, because you had 
people using the phone for different reasons. Then you had, and the reason that we was interested in was drugs and narcotics and drug dealers. But you also had people getting their phone, buying clone phones at the time to call those 900 numbers. I know some of y'all out there remember those 900 numbers. You might not want to admit it, <laughs> but those 900 numbers were expensive phone calls. Uh, and I've seen people get upset when they see somebody been using their phone calling these 900 numbers. And all the 900 numbers were, were uh, pornographic numbers where people would call and talk to them other women uh, in a pornographic fashion. Well, we weren't interested in that. We were interested in the drug part. So that was just a little side note I wanted to mention to you. That's kind of what they was doing also. So, as he explained to us that this guy from Los Angeles, and he called him Lenny, uh, was capturing numbers as a phone pirate, he was uh, capturing the serial numbers in the open air and loading them into his uh, computer system that he had. And then he would sell the numbers to this now informant who owned this beeper company, sell them to him for a price. And the informant was in turn allow drug dealers to use these phones on them uh, who would come in and pay four, five hundred dollars for a clone phone uh, and they could use this phone maybe three three weeks at the most maybe four depending on the number that was sold because once a, a legitimate person you get that phone bill and see all these different phone calls that they've been charged on this bill or call detailing information, they're going to get that phone turned off. And these crooks knew that. So, but also in the meantime, while they got these burner phones, they could commit a lot of criminal activities. They could do a whole lot. They could commit robberies. They can commit, uh, but mainly drugs, crime is what they was trying to do. That's what they was trying to do because in Memphis, the numbers that was being used was, again, from other cities, other locations like Baltimore, New York, Seattle, Dallas. But in, and but they, every now and then you have a Memphis number being used in Memphis. But mainly he was selling these numbers. Uh, he would sell the same number in Memphis. He may sell the same number in Chicago or, or elsewhere. But he was making a killing off of being a phone pirate. Okay? So, going forward, we got the cooperation of this second informant, and we used him. We installed some equipment in it in this place of business where we can actually capture the video photograph of the person actually purchasing the phone. So not only we know about the number that this informant would give us, we would actually see the actual person photo, video photo of him actually buying this phone for his, his illegal purposes.
And this is all part of the job, making good evidence against these crooks. So when they actually get their discovery, they understand that their chances of getting away with it, it may be nil. It may be nil. So anyway, we did this. Uh, I remember one of the drug dealers, his name there in Memphis at the time was a young guy named Harold Swangen, or Harold Ford, they called him. He was a local drug dealer, young guy, no relation to, uh, no relation to the, to the other Ford family that a lot of people in that area know about. No relation at all. His name just happened to be Harold Swangen, Baron. Uh, he had a couple of different names, but we kind of identified his last name as Ford. Well. He was coming in, buying phones, uh, come in every three weeks and get him a new burner phone. And we actually captured him doing that. And so once we got the number from the informant and that information, the NCN number, all of that, we wrote an affidavit uh, for Title Three Intercept on the, on the guy's phone, which meant that we could actually listen to the phone calls. And plus we paid for... The phone, we, not only we did that, we paid for the phone too. We gave it, allowed the bad guy to use it. And while he was using it, we were listening to his drug sales. His drug connects, uh, people that he was calling, the people he was getting his drugs from, the customers he was selling them to. So that became real interesting. Here this bad guy driving around with a, clone phone, thinking he done, he's getting away with something, just talking freely, talking real freely, setting up his drug deals, setting up his customers, just making money and all that. We end up going on at least one or two different drug dealers, some of the major ones, not the small ones. And these guys were... Slinging a lot of cocaine. Mainly that's what they was doing. So we was able to surveil them while they were doing their business, knock off a couple of sales, a couple of the players that came and, and met this bad guy and, and arrested him. So this was a good case for us. This was something DEA did, didn't have to do. But at the time... That office was real aggressive in, in a lot of different ways, particularly in the drug in the drug network business. And again, we worked this with the Secret Service. Very good case. And this person who uh, was stealing the phones, we identified him again. We knew who he was. Um, understood how that whole equipment worked. A cloning phones. I mean, at the time, it was rather simple to steal phones. Steal ESCN numbers and phone numbers right out of air. And they, again, they was using an electronic scanner or a digital data interceptor. And they would work closely to the transmission towers, the cell phone towers. And they would pick up these numbers. And 
at the end, I remember talking to some of the people in the um, cell phone business, some of the cell phone reps, and they was stating that they was losing over one and a half million dollars a day because of the theft of cell phone service. And that they were making sure that the actual victims of these cell phone thefts did not have to pay for these stolen calls at all. They made sure that, and we just kind of worked together on the whole thing. And places like New York was was getting their numbers stole quite a bit because it was a lot easier to steal numbers there with all the tall buildings and such a huge amount of traffic they had there. So we did end up taking this case down, taking it down, and we arrested uh, several guys in Memphis and L.A. and locked them up for illegal drug, illegal, not illegal drugs, but actual the cloning phone business. And one of the guys' name was Lonnie Pumphrey of Los, Los Angeles. He was the ringleader. And we arrested several people in Memphis also, besides those two. Uh, Derek Ford, who was on the In Touch Communication on Winchester. Uh, Jason Wilson, who owned Prior to One Communication in Memphis. And a Marvell Sosbury, who also lived in Memphis on Pendleton. These were some of the people that they arrested in involving clone phones, but the number one guy I remember we arresting for the drug business was this guy, Harold Ford. Harold Ford, who um, was the drug dealer, the main drug dealer at the time. And so this case kind of led to the cell phone company's industry Changing the way that they were doing business, which the technology was on its way, but nowadays those phones, the cell phones in the industry now are all digital phones. No more, no more analog phones like they did during that time. So this is the gladiator. I just want to bring this case to you. It was a very good case at the time. And now we help prevent all of the theft of all this cell phone service and, and again, arrested drug dealers and kept drugs off the streets of Memphis and elsewhere throughout the U.S. Very good case. Appreciate the help on the, on the case. Uh, Joe Murphy, I believe, was the prosecutor. Billy Wren is the main guy I work with along with Walter Hoback. So this is the Gladiator. Hope you enjoyed this particular episode of Clone Phones. And please share, please subscribe. And the Gladiator signing off. And we shall talk to you later. The Gladiator.